We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This is Tyrese Halliburton, and you're listening to Setting the Pace. Monday, everybody. Welcome back to another episode here of Setting the Pace. I'm your host, Alex Golden. I'm joined today by the highly depressed Broncos fan, Michael J. Focci. Focci, Focci guys, we're going to pull off a miracle there. Russell Wilson throws a miracle touchdown. Hail Mary pops into the hands of one of your receivers, not Cortland Sutton, so I didn't care. Ends up making it a two-point game, the two-point conversion. Clearly a pass interference call that should have been called on that. Should have got a redo, but did not happen. Fall to the Washington Commanders. 35 to 33 after being up 21 to three. How are we feeling, brother? I feel so much better that you made me relive this all. Um, <laughs> like some clown, I'm still wearing my Broncos shirt that I was wearing. Um, but you know, what are, what are you gonna do? The, the pain of football, lose close games, lose fantasy football games really closely. This this is football. I mean, it's 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 the roller coaster of the highs and lows, could come down to one play, maybe one missed call, whatever it may be. Other than that, yeah, I'm doing great, Alex. How are you doing today? Hey, I'm doing good. I was a little disappointed last night that my Pittsburgh Panthers couldn't pull off the upset over the oh West Virginia God. Mountaineers. Yeah. What was that? Why have me root for West Virginia? Hey, Pace, like, hey, set the pit, whatever. Hey, I deleted that. Pace, I deleted that. We're all rooting for Pitt tonight. It's like, what? Why not root for the team that I'm rooting for? So, luckily, my Mountaineers pulled out the win. Oh, Lost man. our quarterback on the fifth play of the game, which I was Ooh. just like, why can't anything ever be easy? Played about 1950s-style football. Ran the ball just about every single time. Threw about nine passes all game, but we won. Low-scoring game. It was very uh, – I, I didn't watch very much of it. I was it's at okay. the grocery store. And I said, you know what? I said, I don't want to make Fachi mad if I put this up here. So once you saw it, I just deleted it off the Instagram account. But I said, I don't I know if he's like, going to get sharing this. Like, <laughs> well, I was like, I don't know if he's going to be mad about this or not, because like your daughter was in the picture. And I'm like, I don't know if he really wants to be sharing his daughter on uh, on our 
on our public profile, but I, I thought it was pretty funny. I said, you know, everybody knows I love giving Foch a hard time just because I had nothing else to do. I mean, college football for me, I'm an IU football fan, so you know how excited I am. I mean, I got Pacers Jordan Wara rocking a Louisville jersey at the IU Louisville game, so it's like covering a Pacers podcast where the guys wearing the other jersey is kind of interesting. The one thing I will say on that is um, now at Washington – Michael Penix Jr. is unbelievable. Yeah, he's a good I player. mean, IU was real good when they had him a few years back, and I feel like he's probably got to be one of the top Heisman candidates for this year. So what he he had like 400 yards passing almost in the first half. So, hey, good for he's him. Good. Though. He, he was a lot of fun to watch when he was here at IU, and I don't blame him. I wouldn't want to stay in IU's dark cloud of success over here, but – with that being said, it was an interesting week last week because the Pacers made an announcement on their social media that Buddy Heald would be changing his number from 24 to 7, which kind of caught me by surprise. But I think someone did mention that that is his number with the Bahamas team. So maybe that could be the reason why we really have yet to hear why he did make that change number wise. And it's always a little bit interesting to see a guy change a number, but he's been 24 since he's been in the league. So it's going to be different to see number seven on him. It was weird seeing number seven on George Hill last year as well. But in this little Instagram post, a fan commented about the disrespect for a former number seven that our guy Faja here is the president of that fan club. And that player, that former number seven, had something to say about that, Faja. So I'm sure you have this pulled up. I absolutely do. He said, I love Buddy and the work that he puts in. My statement has nothing to do with him. It is disappointing to watch teams every year recognize and celebrate the players who have been the franchise's very best players on and off the court, but yet the Pacers don't. It's been confusing and disappointing to say the least. Yeah. Okay, so we've never really heard anything about this before, and if you guys have been paying attention at all this offseason, and I've been on social media doing it as well, I've been pushing for the Pacers to kind of embrace some kind of ring of honor. And it's been interesting because I've asked a few different people about it. I think I might have even asked Chad Buchanan about he did. it. He, and he sounded all for it. Yeah, he sounded like he was kind of for it. It, it seemed like Miles Turner was definitely a fan of it. He thought it'd be a dope idea. We shared that. I shared that clip of Miles talking about that on Twitter this past week after Jermaine O'Neal said all this stuff. And it's interesting because there was a lot of comments coming back and forth on this on this topic alone. But I always listen to guys that have been around the team for a long time. And so Mark Boyle actually chimed in voice of the Pacers on the radio. And he said, if we're not talking retiring jerseys, I'm all for this. He said, clearly they've made the precedent. You have to be a hall of famer to get your Jersey retired. So I don't think we should change that stance. However, I don't think there's anything wrong with celebrating players of the past. And I totally agree with that. But then Mark Monteith actually Sunday night, he said that the Pacers have already tried this. And this is obviously before me and you were born Fachi, because they announced their own hall of fame in 1977 and had an exhibit on the sixth floor of Market Square Arena. Freddie Lewis was the first player to go in, but they later abandoned the, uh, the project and and didn't make that move, and it didn't make the move to Conseco Fieldhouse when they ended up opening up the new Fieldhouse. So I kind of went back and forth with Mark, and I said, well, that was about 46 years ago. I think things can change. I think you can retry something if it didn't work once. But we were talking about this off-air fudge, and I think one thing you have to realize there's a whole new slate of players that have come on this Pacers roster since 1977. And that was mostly the ABA carryover and everybody loved those championship teams. But I think there's a totally different generation of Pacer fans now 
that would embrace something like this more than probably they did in the 70s, 80s, and even 90s. Completely agree. It's just a different era, a different mentality. Back then in the 70s, you probably didn't require as much praise as individuals do today. I mean, whether it's at work, I mean, I, I manage a team. When people hit their one-year anniversary, they're immediately like, okay, am I going to get promoted? You know, is there, is there am I going to get a raise? Like, that's how it works of instant gratification. We're not even asking for that. We're talking about players now that played for the Pacers 10, 20, 30 years ago that, that deserved this type of recognition. We talked about how it seems that the Pacers, you know, in order to get your number retired, you got to be a Hall of Famer. You have to have been a part of those ABA championships. The Pacers don't have the NBA success to be able to have those type of credentials I, I or requirements. I feel that it's time that they at least provide that Hall of Fame. Give it yeah. another shot. You mentioned it's been 46 years. I mean, what would have happened if we didn't land on the moon the first time and we just stopped? We're just going to give up at that point? I mean, you could try again. And I think that the Pacers now have enough players that are rightfully deserving to be recognized by this franchise. And I think a lot of the fan base agrees. Well, I mean, that was kind of Jermaine O'Neal's point when he made those comments. Can you go ahead and read that statement one more time from Jermaine? Absolutely. So Jermaine said in this, he was very clear, this was not a shot at Buddy wearing number seven, but he said, I love Buddy and the work that he puts in. My statement has nothing to do with him. It is disappointing to watch teams every year recognize and celebrate the players who have been the franchise's very best players on and off the court, but yet the Pacers don't. It's been confusing and disappointing to say the least. Yeah, disappointing, I think you said twice. And that's the bottom line here. It's like, I, I, and I heard a lot of fans push back on Jermaine's comment saying, well, he was part of the brawl. They're not going to embrace anybody from that generation. And I understand maybe blackballing Ron Artest a little bit because he did cause it. Then he requested a trade and kind of went that way. So I can understand not respecting him as a guy to put in the Hall of Fame at this point in time. But I think Jermaine O'Neal did what any other player would have done in his situation. This is the guy that was closest to being an MVP in the league. Only guy on in NBA history to be on a second team for the Indiana Pacers. So, you know, it, it comes down to it. This guy deserves to get some recognition, to get celebrated, and to get remembered as a great Pacer. Now, I heard some people say on Twitter, look, at the beginning of every single game, you see a video compilation of former Pacer greats. Okay, that's great, but that's not personal. This, to me, having a ring of honor, having a Hall of Fame, something like that, I personally believe that these guys would take it to heart and it would mean a lot more. And one of the things, like if you go back to what Mark Montez said, you're going to anger more players. Players didn't really seem to care. The fans didn't really seem to care. Social media was not present in 1977, but you can put this on your YouTube, on your TikTok, on your Instagram, on your Twitter, on your Facebook, whatever. The Pacers can put it on every single social media account they have where they make a Jermaine O'Neal night, where Jermaine comes back for one of the games. He's got pictures with the, with the new current roster. You got his induction into the Pacers Hall of Fame. Give him some kind of gold jacket because he's uh, on the Pacers Hall of Fame, something like that, and, and just remember him. That doesn't mean you retire his jersey. People can still wear the jersey number. There's nothing wrong with that, but he's inducted and he's celebrated for what he did. And I think that's what's interesting is he just said it's just weird. They don't do that. They don't celebrate pay players from the past. 
And I totally agree with him. I think that this is an opportunity for the Pacers to kind of look themselves in the mirror and say, we got a former Pacer great that played for Rick Carlisle saying this right now and bringing attention to it. I think it was talked about on the radio as well here locally. People were talking about this because people care about it. If they didn't, then this wouldn't be a conversation. Absolutely. I didn't want to cut you off. I got like 10 different things to address here. Hit me. Because I, I completely agree. So we're talking about a guy who played eight seasons with the Pacers, six all-star appearances, three all-NBA appearances from 2002 to 2004, most improved player of the year. He did finish third MVP voting, like you mentioned, while leading the Pacers to a franchise best 61 wins. They were the one seed in 2003-2004. He's our all-time blocks leader. He could have broke Reggie Miller's uh, record of points scored in a game. Reggie had 57, Jermaine had 55. He was willingly, he willingly subbed out in that game at, to show respect to Reggie. This is a franchise great. And I know that you mentioned before, well, he's part of the, the brawl. He's not even the, the second name that comes to mind when you think of the brawl. You think of Ron Artest, then you think of Steven Jackson. Then there's Jermaine O'Neal. It's like, come on. Th- that was a very, very hectic night all around. We're, we're not going to try and justify anything like that. But here's what I wanted to get at. Following Jermaine's trade in 2008, no one wore number seven until Al Jefferson did in 2016. During that span, I felt like, I don't know, maybe the Pacers would retire it. Maybe they keep that option open, whatever. But I have nothing but respect for Al Jefferson. But I thought if you were going to give number seven, it would be to someone who's maybe like, you know, all-star type, maybe star-like, whatever. They end up giving it then to Malcolm Brogdon and George Hill, now Buddy Heald, and it just feels like it's it's lost a little bit, some of that luster. That same luster that I even thought. Remember, you, you even heard me. I was like, what if Jarris Walker wore number seven? You know, it felt like he could be like, Taking in the, you know, stepping into the shoes of Jermaine O'Neal. I would have loved that. And you're like, what does he care about number seven? It's like, yeah, all right. Yeah, I, I, I get it. I get it. But, but it just feels like the Pacers could be doing more. So I started looking around. Who doesn't really have numbers retired? The Orlando Magic. The Orlando Magic just have number six retired for Bill Russell, player that didn't even play for them. So I was like, that's kind of weird. They've had really good players. Shaquille O'Neal, whatever. They have the Orlando Magic Hall of Fame. It's a way to honor players such as Shaquille O'Neal, Nick Anderson, Pat Williams, uh, Rich Devos, uh, Penny Hardaway, Jimmy. There's there's like 12 players in there. So I think that that's a great way that you were able to honor the past without retiring guys like Penny Hardaway's jersey who might have only actually been really, really good there for a handful of years or Guys like Nick Anderson that were good but not Hall of Famers, that is something the Pacers should and could be doing that you know you brought up. And, and the thing is, I think the Pacers have changed their ways a little bit in terms of how they handle things because we know the Pacers refuse to do tribute videos for the longest time. Mm-hmm. And since Carlisle's been here, you've seen them do tribute videos for players that have been traded and then come back and play. I mean, you're talking about – yeah, DeMontis Sabonis got, I think, maybe two because the one time he did come back, he did not play with the Kings because he was hurt after the trade initially happened for Tyrese. But you saw them praise Jeremy Lamb and Justin Holiday. Okay, come on. Those guys were not long-term pacers. They were bench guys. So for them to give them a tribute video for returning, you know, we used to make fun of that kind of stuff. We're like, ah, oh, we're the pacers. We're too good for that. Like, who cares? Why are we, why are we above everybody? What are we 
doing here? You know, this state right now, in terms of basketball, like we have not been a dominant basketball force since like 2012, 2013, 2014. We're talking about at least a good decade. Yeah. I've not so, gotten out of the first round, I believe. In since a then. Yeah. So it's like, who are we to act like we're above everybody else in the league because we're a, a historic franchise, you know? We are. We're a good franchise. I'm not saying that, and this is basketball. This is the basketball state. This is basketball country here in Indiana. But are you telling me that you don't think Larry Bird belongs in the Pacers Hall of Fame? Yeah. Donnie Walsh doesn't belong in the Pacers Hall of Fame? I mean, Mark Boyle wouldn't want to really care if he's in it or not, but Mark Boyle belongs in the Pacers yes. Hall of Fame. Yes. I even think a guy like Mark Monteith, who covered the team for a long time, there's a there's a spot for him for the writer's spot in terms of a guy that covered the team for a long time. Not saying right now, but eventually you can get there. I mean, there's a lot of great people that have been a part of this organization, and I think they deserve those flowers to be honored and recognized. So for Jermaine to come out and say this, I totally understand his point of view. I think that the reason I've been so adamant about it is because I just miss the guys that were part of my growing up and becoming a Pacer fan. I mean, I grew up loving Jermaine O'Neal, loving Danny oh Granger, God. loving Roy Hibbert. Like all these guys were a part of my high school, my my junior high, my grade school, becoming a fan. Like these are the players that in, in interested me in becoming a person that talks about the Pacers five to six times a week on a podcast. So that is why I'm saying, for me personally, as a fan, and not just someone covering the team now, show these guys some respect. And it feels like they stop once you get past the 90s run with that team. Because if Derek McKee's back in the building, like, you know, they're going to make sure everybody knows Derek McKee's there. Same with Rick Smith and that kind of stuff. But those guys were a huge part of the Pacers' success as well. And I think there's a spot for them as well in the Hall of Fame. No, there really is. And it's just, man, I mean, some of the players that you were talking about before, I mean, Tremaine O'Neal, Danny Granger, I mean, those guys, it's just like, that's our childhood right there. And it's just like, with no disrespect to the Pacers, this isn't Boston. This isn't LA. It isn't that you need a championship to get your 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 name in the Raptors. And that's why, you know, all those guys like a, like a Paul Pierce or even like a Kevin Garnett, like they won one, so they're up there. Or with the Lakers, you know, even like, like a Pau Gasol or like a Shaq or, or or obviously Kobe. It's like, yeah, they were blessed to win championships, but the Pacers are still chasing that illustrious first NBA title. Yeah. But man, I mean, a, a guy like Jermaine O'Neal, part of the reason why I've, you know, loved what we've done over the years of doing this podcast is because we've been able to have on some of those players that we loved seeing out there growing up. Having Jermaine O'Neal come on our show was one of the biggest thrills I've ever been a part of. Yeah. I mean, just to even show how big of a fan I am of Jermaine, my friends played a prank on me recently when we were uh, at the airport. It's in the airport. I was by myself waiting for my friends to show up. And all of a sudden, someone just went, is that Jermaine O'Neal? And I turned around so quick, I could have I snapped my neck. And they were <laughs> like, got him, knew it. And I was like, I mean, I'm not going to miss out on the opportunity of Jermaine potentially being in the same airport as me so it's just like i i just want to see him at a game yeah i just like like think about this this makes me upset it almost brings tears to my eyes when was the last time you even saw danny granger i i mean i'm not even talking about the game period like where has he been i have not heard one thing about danny granger i've looked up things on the internet to try and find what granger's doing when Granger left the NBA, I mean, I think he might have been with NBA TV for like a couple of months, and that was it. 
Mm-hmm. I would love to see him at a Pacers game just getting his flowers. I mean, this is someone that, you know, was an all-star for us, but was so good when the Pacers were kind of down in the dumps that it and we know what how that ended over there. They they didn't do right by him, you know, with the trade to Philly, the tanking, you know, trust the process, but it's a business. Okay. But there doesn't need to be a business part about honoring players such as a Danny Granger. And that doesn't even get us started on the Rick Smiths and the players that, that played their whole career in Indiana. Yeah. I mean, definitely. I, I think I saw Danny Granger worked with CBS a little bit during college basketball at one point, cause he was an analyst there and it was like a weird might have been on the app whenever I was watching the tournament one year, but that was probably seven, eight years ago. ago. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, Danny Granger, he's 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 an interesting he's an interesting person. But I think as a player, like he does he definitely deserves to be praised. And Rick Smith's like that was a funny thing, is like Mark Montese, like, where do you even start with this? It's like, I don't know, pay me to start it. I'll do it. I'll figure yeah. things out. I don't mean I'll take I'll head I'll spearhead this whole conversation. I've been doing it this offseason. I'll spearhead getting it going. I mean how many how many guys do you want in this wing? I mean, there's so many players that could be long here that personally I, I think that you could do one almost like every two months during the season. If not two a year. Twice a year. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. You you could make this forever long as long as you want it to go. I mean, this to me is better than revving it up. I mean, come on now. With the little fake race car out there, the indie car out there that doesn't even match the sound. Like they don't even make the sound. It's just like pumped through the sound and the, mm-hmm. the sound yep. system. Just a joke. Like, I'm sorry. Like, I'm not trying to hate on stuff they're doing, but it's like, you want to make things cool? Listen to the people that cover the team, that have a good pulse of what the fan base tells us, because I've yet to see really any fans besides people in their 50s or older get mad about this idea. If they go to video at the beginning, what else do they need? It's like, okay, well, you don't understand today's day and age. So that's kind of what I'm getting at. And I think that you, you're not basically like Tar Glenn. You know, he got inducted into the Colts Ring of Honor last year. I was at that game. He was part of that Super Bowl championship team. He was a left tackle for Peyton Manning for a long time. I get that. He's like a huge staple of it. But it's like without Peyton Manning, you're not winning a title. So oh, no. it's like that's the same thing. It's like, okay, we won a championship. So I guess I kind of get it. But there, there's ways to go about it where you don't have to require a championship to to be considered a great for a franchise. And that's kind of where I'm getting at. And I think Jermaine making this public is a great stepping stone to hopefully getting more recognition for these former Pacers like we want to see happen. I, I really do hope so because, I mean, when, it, when it's all said and done, you look at the Indiana Pacers post that NBA Finals appearance because he comes the very next year. Jermaine O'Neal is hands down one of the greatest Pacers that they have had from you know 2001 to present day over the last 20 years, we'll just say that. And a lot of the other guys hadn't been there long. I mean, Paul George, think about it, drafted in 2010. By 2017, he's, he's traded. Yeah. Um, Oladipo was really one good one here. I mean, that that's that's where we're at. Of just like. There's not a lot of players that have had that longevity. You're talking about Jermaine O'Neal having six all-star appearances in there and being a really special all-NBA player three years in a row. I, I just feel like we can't take that for granted. And you never want it to be something where, you know, some of these guys, that you know, they get older and older. And it's always a shame when you see someone get into the Hall of Fame after they've passed away. 
it's just like now's the time to celebrate these guys while they're still very young and could come around the team and just be there. Like you always think about when you hear about these offseason like workouts of like players, you know, maybe working out with someone else. I, I always wonder like when's a big man gonna work out with Jermaine? You know, like when are we gonna get you know something like that? And I would love to have that same opportunity that other teams have. And I just feel like it's kind of lost with Indian Pacers. I, I totally agree, Fudge. I think I've I've said enough on this conversation. I, I don't want to keep reiterating the same things. I'm excited to talk about what this could become whenever it does happen. But at this point right now, I think it'd be a great time to transition into our final segment on today's show. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done which I sent you late Saturday night. And I said, you know what would be a lot of fun because I've seen people do it on social media here and there is compare NBA point guards to NFL quarterbacks. And I thought I'm going to give Faji about eight names here and we're going to go and, and try to find the correct quarterback comp for this point guard. So are you ready to start things off here? I can give you the names and we'll just go back and forth. Absolutely. So the, the first thing I want to say is, Hey, guys, you might very much disagree with some of these comparisons. I kind of went for some players that kind of went with, like, how their careers may compare compared to, like, where they're at in present-day talent. But I think that we're going to have some fun with it. I expect Alex and, and my answers to be completely different, as are your probably. You know, you guys listen to this. Your comparisons are probably going to be completely different. But let's have some fun with it. All right. Well, we'll work our way up to the top. I wanted to start things off with Atlanta Hawks point guard Trey Young. I'm going your pro comp for him. I'm going to a Tagovailoa. Okay. All right. Now, I think both are really good players. 
that you're waiting to truly break out and take that next step. Tua might pass for 400 yards, lead his team to a win. Trey may drop 30 points, 15 assists, but I feel like neither stays consistent long enough to really be talked about as the league's elite. And there's always still some questions if they can get the job done long-term for their team. Interesting. Okay, so I have a little bit of a different approach. Okay. I do have Tua, but I'll tell you who I have for him later. All right. I got Josh Allen for Trey Young. And here's why. I think Josh Allen, a lot of people really like him, and then people are starting to sour on him a little bit. If you've heard more commentators recently, it's like he makes a lot of dumb decisions. Fumbles the ball a lot. We saw his horrible performance on Monday Night Football, but he's an offensive juggernaut because he can do a lot of different things, and I think Trey can do that too. Trey's got the long ball three. Josh Allen's got a cannon for an arm. Uh, Trey, Trey's just a scorer, man. That's what he does, and I think that Josh Allen as well is just an offensive goober, but he's got a lot of talent around him too. And so I just feel like together, uh, if you look at them from different ways, like Josh Allen has had his run to the AFC Championship. Mm-hmm. Trey Young had his run to the Eastern Conference Finals. Both pretty young in their career when that happened, and now they're still trying to get their footing for that to, to get back to that spot again. And I think Buffalo has been underwhelming the last couple of years in the playoffs. I mean, they haven't put up a great performance last year. I think they got beat by Cincinnati um in the in the second round of the playoffs and and just like this team was supposed to be the team to take down Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs so I feel like people were really high on Atlanta after they had that deep run and they kind of didn't meet expectations so I do like the two a comparison because it does kind of make some sense for what you're saying uh the Josh Allen one to me though is because like they're really fun players to watch and they can do a lot but can you really trust on them to lead their team all the way to the championship hey I I hear it there's definitely uh, an argument that can be made all right. Next, Ja Morant. All right, this is a hard one. Now, I feel like I, I what I try to do is I try to compare just their athletic abilities. I know okay. the when you think think about Ja Morant now, unfortunately, some off the field stuff shadows overshadows his talent. I didn't take that into effect over here. Okay. So for my comparison with Ja Morant, I'm going Lamar Jackson. Now I think both are truly a highlight reel extremely flashy plays. Maybe it's a, you know, a run that that's, that's a 50 plus yard run for Lamar Jackson that leads to a touchdown. Maybe it's a poster dunk for John Morant. Neither has had playoff success yet, but both are absolutely elite talents. Yeah. That's an interesting one. Um, Cause I did consider everything that comes with John Morant. Okay. And that's why I went with Deshaun Watson. Mm, okay. All right. Because they're known for their off the court stuff right now. Everything is a joke about what they did off the court where people really don't give Deshaun like his props for being a good football player. Like he is a good football player, mm-hmm. but he's got a lot of red flags and his red flags are definitely different than John Morant's red flags, but they're both red flags and they both led to suspension. So that kind of put that into perspective for me. They're both young quarterbacks that are trying or young quarterbacks, young point guards that are trying to, you know, be the leader of their teams. And I think that John Morant, Probably a little bit more gifted athletically, but Deshaun Watson was awesome in Houston. I mean, oh yeah, he really was. Really good football player, and then took some time off and didn't look the same when he returned. So I kind of feel like they're in the same boat. Uh, obviously, Jaw hasn't been traded yet, like uh, Deshaun was, but I think that people kind of forget how good Deshaun Watson was at one point in his career. And I think that a young Deshaun Watson with his talent kind of reminds me of a Ja Morant top. Yeah. Top five quarterback, probably talent wise at that point. I mean, you can make the case for it when he was at his peak. Mm-hmm. He was very, very, very good. So that to me is kind of what 
drew me to that comparison as well as the off the field stuff. But Lamar Jackson, in terms of athletic ability with John Morant, totally get that. And I think that there's still a lot more to be desired from both of them because Lamar is like this super exciting player. But at the same time, it's just like the contract situation was kind of hanging over his head for a while. And is he a running quarterback? Is he a receiver? Is he, you know, is he a passing quarterback? There's been a lot of different narratives on him. And that to me is like, okay, Lamar really solidified himself with Baltimore as their quarterback of the present and the future. And I think jaw can do that as long as he gets this stuff off the court figured out. Hey, I hope, I hope he does both, you know, great talents. And I think that if you are taken into the, some of the off the field stuff, then yeah, the Deshaun Watson comparison is probably uh, very visible. You can definitely see that. Uh, Next. I know you wanted to mention uh, Kyrie Irving. How about we switch it up? You go first. Who are you thinking for Kyrie Irving? So I'm I'm sticking with the off the field stuff, and I have to go Aaron Rodgers. So okay. Kyrie has always been praised as one of the great point guards in the league. Everybody talks about how great he is, even when some people think that he's taken a little bit of a step back from when he won the championship in Cleveland. People are holding on to that one championship he got with the Cleveland Cavaliers, just like everybody hangs on to that one championship Aaron Rodgers won with the Packers. At this point, Aaron Rodgers has had some very interesting comments off the field that people have not agreed with, especially his takes on COVID and the vaccine and different things like that. And I think that Kyrie Irving also has been very outspoken about the vaccine and different things like that. So I think off the field and off the court, they're both kind of similar in terms of being different and not going with what the public generally agrees on. They're kind of controversial players. Um, They're both very talented and probably considered top three at their position by their peers. And I think that people respect the heck out of Kyrie Irving, even though there's a lot of holes in his game. Aaron Rodgers is getting old. Obviously, we we saw that with the Jets end up getting that nasty Achilles injury. And, and I kind of think that uh, Kyrie Irving is in the same boat because wherever he's gone, it feels like the team's always expecting him to take that next step. And if he doesn't, that team kind of falls apart. So that was my comp for those two, especially since they're both pretty seasoned veterans in, in both their respective uh, leagues that they play in. But Curious for you, who you got for Kyrie Irving? Yeah, so like I said, I went from just like a pure talent perspective. So in this situation, when I'm talking about just the talent level of Kyrie Irving, I went with Joe Burrow. And uh, here, here's what I'll say why. I feel like Burrow is just so nice with it. It really feels like one of those you could say kind of like, oh, my God, is he the chosen one type of thing? And I feel like that's kind of what it is with Kyrie, that no one's going to say that he's anything less than a, a brilliant basketball player. I feel like... Joe Burrow, extremely gifted as a passer. Kyrie, extremely gifted with his handles. I think that both players, you know, are um, really good talents. Yeah, I mean, they've, they, I guess if we're going to go with some, I guess Kyrie hasn't, he's had some injuries, not really many. I guess he's missed time. Joe Burrow's missed time with an ACL. But I was more talking about from just like a pure talent yeah. level. These two players are undeniably really good passers. No, I like that comparison. I think it's an interesting one. I was having a hard time finding a spot for Joe Burrow. I didn't put him on my list at all. So this was a hard activity because I know you went with like, hey, this guy, you know, this guy doesn't like the vaccine. He doesn't like the vaccine either. And I, I was more just like, man, like what talent compares to this guy? And like, I, yeah. I tried to do it. And it, it honestly gets tougher from here on out. I said there was no wrong answer, so it's no, just your no, opinion. Know, That's what's nice. Yeah, you no. just take it however you want to take it. I just said compare these players to quarterbacks and whatever. So ready to go to the next one? I am. 
All right, Damian Lillard. I'll start this one off your five because this is probably the one I'm most excited about. Okay. My player comp for him, Matthew Stafford. Here's oh, why. All right. Matthew Stafford put up some huge numbers in Detroit. Could never get to the Super Bowl. Could never get over that hump. However, when he got traded to the Los Angeles Rams and he put some real talent around him besides Megatron, he finally won the Super Bowl. There's a good chance Damian Lillard's traded with Miami Heat. And I think that Matthew Stafford was loyal to Detroit. And they worked to find a trade for him that he wanted. And I think that to a certain degree, Portland's going to do that with Dame, but they're probably a little frustrated with how he's gone about handling stuff. But essentially, I think Dame's going to end up in Miami. So I feel like their career pass, like Matthew Stafford was one of the best passing quarterbacks of his generation and was like top five, I think, at one point for like a a couple year stretch where he was just like most yards, touchdowns. I mean, Mm -hmm. very talented player. And Dame's done the same thing at the point guard position, but the team around him just hasn't been able to get over that hump. And so I feel like both very good, highly skilled players that when they got a new change of scenery, it's going to open up a championship window for him. And that's how I feel about Dame going to Miami. I do think there is a window for a championship with him there, with that current roster, if they don't have to give up a lot. And interestingly enough, Chauncey Billups, Kyle Lowry, hanging out at the Colorado game this weekend. I did see that. Coincidence? Don't think so. Yep. I think this was your best comparison yet. I I can definitely see that. I think it makes a lot of sense, especially when you intertwine, you know, where their careers were at. I think they've had those similar careers, especially if Dame ends up getting, you know, a ring. Hey, it matches up perfectly. For this one, I went, eh, I don't know if I'd say similar route, but ish. Oh, Kirk Cousins. Here's what I'll tell you. <laughs> oh, that's so mean. Uh, yeah, nobody I guess, hates I Kirk. It, nobody hates. I know they, Yeah, I mean, I, I, I mean, it depends where where you're from, I guess, because I know a lot of people. Like, I worked for the then Washington Redskins, now the Commanders, and people loved Kirk. Uh, yeah. He was clutch. Put up some really good stats. Kirk for a while was actually leading the league in game winning drives. It was over a few years. Dame really clutch. However. Neither player has really won anything mm-hmm. in Dame's situation. He went to a conference finals. Kirk has not, but both players have had a bunch of regular season stats. You know, whether it's Dame averaging 30 points per game, but, you know, maybe the team doesn't make the playoffs or maybe they get bounced in the first round. Kirk's very similar. I mean, he's had seasons like last year. The Vikings were this unbelievable team. What happened? They got bounced in the first round. Yeah. Both players are spoken solidly, but they would be spoken totally differently if they had a ring. They would be yeah. then compared in the upper echelon of the league when instead people go, Kirk, oh, he can't win the big one, or he's not, yeah. he's not great in primetime. Dame, it's like, oh, he's good, but what's going to happen when he's on the biggest stage playing against the best talent? Uh, tends to fall very shy, very short. So I like your comparison to Matthew Stafford. I think that's great. Uh, why The reason why, for me, I wanted to find someone who hadn't won a ring. But I think mm. when you tied it all together, it made perfect sense. Yeah, and I mean, that's fair, too. I mean, Kirk Cousins, obviously, he crossed my mind a few different times for players on this list for the point guards that we have. And I thought, I just I just don't know because everybody hates Kirk Cousins. Nobody wants to give him any, any praise for anything that he's done. But I think he's been a pretty under-the-radar quarterback that's always succeeded in terms of regular season success and then the playoffs have just been hit or miss and i feel like he's got a limited ceiling for what he can do 
But I'm like some of these guys here, you could say they've probably been like top three at their position at some point, or most of them that are, especially the veterans on this list, people would probably have considered them like the best point guard at the time or like top three at the time. And I could never feel that way about Kirk Cousins. So that's why it was hard for me to put them in there. But long, like for current situation to now, like that's a little bit different. But if you're looking at like the entirety of a career, it's a little bit more challenging to try to compare Kirk Cousins to any of these guys on this roster or this list. I thought about maybe Mike Conley for Kirk Cousins as well. Someone similar to like that under the radar veteran that was on some good teams, but just never could get over the hump and has always been solid where he goes and you're going to get good numbers from him, but he's not going to be a game changer that much in my opinion, especially now, like he's going to have an impact and he's going to make your team better ceiling like floor wise, but your ceiling is not going to get that much higher. It's kind of how I felt. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm definitely not going to become some Kirk Cousins, you know, mega supporter over here. Nah, but I did, nah. I did see some stat that was interesting that was basically saying that each of the Vikings defenses that Kirk's been a part of, none of them have been ranked higher than 25th overall. Mm-hmm. And in those seasons, Kirk's had some really good. I mean, this year so far, he's I think he's thrown for. I mean, I know the last game was like four TDs. I think it was close to 400 yards. He's put up big numbers, but. It hasn't resulted to winning playoff games. And I think mm-hmm. that Dame doesn't have that same playoff success that you want. But hey, uh, last thing I'm going to say on this my wife absolutely loves Kirk Cousins. Did you watch the quarterback show on I haven't uh, watched it yet. on Netflix? Oh, he's featured in there. Yeah. She was, she's like all about Kirk Cousins and his wife, all that. So not everybody hates Kirk. As long as the as long as the the women love Kirk, that's all that matters, I guess. Yep, yep, exactly. <laughs> uh, okay, let's keep it going. We got four point guards left. We're gonna go with Tyrese Halliburton and his former teammate De'Aaron Fox. Bachi, so who was your quarterback comp for De'Aaron Fox? This was this one I struggled with the most because De'Aaron Fox like hasn't really had like a full career yet. So I really felt like this is a guy who only made the playoffs once. Really talented player. So I, I struggle with this one. Yes, he's known for for being really fast, and you know he was clutch last year. But in this, it, totally different. I went with Trevor Lawrence. The reason oh, why I'll tell that's you this, a good one. I like that. I, yeah, right. I struggle with this one. But the reason why I said that is both players have a ton of skill and came into organizations that were facing a lot of losing seasons. This early is your on. best one. Okay, all right. Both players were asked to turn these franchises around. De'Aaron Fox turned the Kings from being kind of like the laughing stock of the NBA to all of a sudden a team that everybody was excited about last year. And Trevor Lawrence did the same. Mm. Last year, got the Jags not only to the playoffs, they had an epic comeback against the Chargers to win a playoff game. And now all of a sudden, the Jags come into this year with expectations, something they haven't had in a long time. Same with the Sacramento Kings, and both you know both you know players are being asked to now. Can you do it again? Yeah. Can you lead this team back to the playoffs? That's why I went with Trevor Lawrence here. Man, I like that. I didn't even really think about that, and it's All a good right. comparison, especially when you look at the franchise. So that's a great one. Um, I don't even really want to share mine now because I think yours is so much better. <laughs> but uh, I went with Jalen Hurts from Philadelphia. Okay. And the reason I went with Jalen Hurts is because I think Jalen Hurts is just like a super fun player who's really, you know, taken off in the right system. And I think with Mike Brown coming there and kind of unleashing him a little bit to play a certain style, it's been huge. They also went out and made a huge trade to get A.J. Brown. And I kept thinking, you know, the the, the Kings did the same thing. They went out and got DeMontis Sabonis. And I think that 
AJ Brown to Jalen Hurts is Demonte Sabonis to De'Aaron Fox. And then you add in different pieces left and right here with like the cheap running backs that they've gotten that have been pretty beneficial for him. I, I think you can look at Kevin Herter or someone like that as well. Uh, not this major game changer, but a role player that can help you out. You got solid veterans on this team as well. I think Harrison Barnes is like your Dallas Goddard of this team. So it, it just, to me, like, I just think that athletically they're kind of similar because they're super dynamic athletes that can do multiple different things. They're very clutch. I mean, Jalen Hurts is one of the most fun players to watch in the clutch Fachi. Last year, what he did with that whole entire coaching staff, like Nick Sirianni, former Colt coach with Frank Reich and coming over there being their head coach and then Shane Steichen coming to Indianapolis after last year's success and then getting to the Super Bowl, losing to the Chiefs essentially. But I I just thought that, yeah, this was a pretty good comparison in terms of skill set wise. But I do think that everything altogether, Trevor Lawrence, that might be the better one. Hey, I appreciate that. It was tough for Jalen Hurts because Jalen Hurts did take a team to the Super Bowl. So I started really thinking like, man, like, you know, like, how can I fit him in there? And like, I try to find like a, a player that maybe went to the finals and came up short and it was a little bit tough, but um, no, I, I like yours. I, I see how it all fits together. Now leading in next, this one I, I found fun. And this one was, I don't know, maybe a little bit easier for me for Tyrese Halliburton. Okay. I'm curious who you had. I had a tough one with this one. I'm going Justin Herbert. I'll okay. tell you what, both are entering year four. Ooh. Both are extremely gifted passers who lead a high-powered offense. Great blue and yellow teams, too. Yep. Neither's won a playoff game yet. But both feel like they're next up amongst elite passers in their sport. That's a good one. Uh, so what's interesting is the, the Colts could have had Justin Herbert. Instead, they decided to Which, trade no, their no, no, for no. DeForest Buckner. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. They traded their first round pick to San Francisco for DeForest Buckner, and then that was like pick thirteen, I think. Herbert was like pick twelve or something like that. So they could have no, used that. No, pick. no. What was no. he? Herbert was uh, was sixth. Was he sixth? So yeah, wrong. two it went fifth. Okay, I for some reason I just remember the Colts could have had Justin Herbert if they would have been aggressive with it, but they traded away their first round pick. Maybe they could have traded mm. that pick. And then more picks to get up. I, I think what you might be thinking about, maybe, uh, I don't know. There was a rumor at one point that Herbert was going to go um, to the draft the previous year. Um, and then he ended up coming back to school and he it was viewed as being one of the top picks. Yeah. Uh, you guys end up taking Quentin Nelson, I, I believe, you know, in, yeah. in the top five. So maybe that was when Saquon Barkley was in the draft. I remember yeah. that. Yeah. And I know that Jordan Love was someone that the fans of one of the Colts. I remember that one too. for sure. I just remember Justin Herbert as well, and I've had that conversation with people here. But regardless, it is a good comparison. I I, I like that for Justin Herbert because who did you say was drafted before Justin Herbert? Tua. Tua. And that's who I had for Tyrese Halliburton. Oh, okay. All right. And, and part of the reason why is because if you look at Tua's numbers, when he's healthy, he's one of the best quarterbacks in the league. Very accurate. Very accurate. And things really changed for him when they brought in the new coach last year. Um, I'm forgetting his name right now, the Miami Dolphins head coach. Uh, Mike McDaniels. Mike McDaniels, right? Now, he's young, he's innovative, that kind of thing, but he found an offense that catered to his system, and I kind of felt that's what Carlisle was for Tyrese Halliburton. You get rid of Brian Flores, who was there before, and I feel like they were an okay team, not great. I think Jacoby Brissett ended up playing some for him, but I just feel like that Tua, with him breaking out, year four as well so it does kind of fit the the mold here that we're kind of thinking on the same page 
I feel bad for for the Chargers because I feel like their coach is a joke. Uh, <laughs> like them losing to Jacksonville last year is atrocious. So now they're zero and two, losing to the Titans this year. Like I yep. get it, Tennessee is not a terrible team, but come on now. Uh, if you're trying to be an elite team with the weapons he has around him, you, you got to go. But even if Austin Eckler doesn't play, like their backup running back, everybody was praising him mm-hmm. as this like really good backup running back. I just feel like the roster around Tua having a Tyree kill, like. Yeah, we're still waiting on that for for Tyrese to get his second guy like that because that would be huge. But I think that Tua's skill set, like he's super fun. He can run. He can throw the football a mile away. I mean, the guy just has a ton of talent. He's a good. I think he's got good vision as well, and he's kind of proved people wrong because if you notice anything about Tyrese, people didn't think he was going to be as good as he is now, especially with his shot and all that kind of stuff. So I like the Tua comparison there, but I also did like the Tua comparison for Trey. So I can kind of see where Trey and Tyrese are in similar boats with their skill set, but obviously with Tyrese being bigger and a better passer than Trey, even though Trey's still a good passer, uh, they're just totally different players. But I don't know. I kind of like the Tua comparison for Tyrese. I don't know if you like that or not. but Yeah, I like it in terms of Tua is extremely accurate. Really accurate. I mean, this is someone who... Completion percentage is like upper, upper 60s, you know, near 70%. Tyrese doesn't really turn the ball over. Great assist guy, you know, throw, throws a, a, a really good pass, you know, to a really, you know, on, on placement ball, whatever you want to say. Yeah. You know, b- both guys, you're going to get the rock from them. So yeah. I, I think that's a good comparison. Herbert, Tua, both really gifted. I, I think that the you can't go wrong with either comparison there. All right, we but, got two left. We got two Warriors left. Chris Paul, yeah. Steph Curry. Let's go through these quickly. Okay. Now, while this, this this guy does have a ring, I went with Matthew Stafford because Chris Paul. Despite yeah, for for Chris Paul, despite Stafford having a ring, I feel like for a long time Stafford had a really good career that was like, okay, well, you know what? Hey, he's the quickest to you know x amount of yards, the, the quickest to this that, and like. Chris Paul was great at all these regular season stuff, but he couldn't win the big one. And yeah. then Stafford, really good at having, you know, you could never rule him out from a, a game-winning drive. I feel like Chris Paul has had many clutch moments. But I feel like at this point in their careers, I feel like Stafford's at the end of his career, Chris Paul's at the end of his career, both players still extremely meaningful to a franchise, but they're they're both kind of at that same timeline of, hey, this is pretty much the end. Yeah, so I don't mind that Matt Stafford comparison for those reasons, but I went a little different, bit different on this one. We've I don't think we've had any ones that have overlapped in terms of no, our comps, not. which has been so funny to me. I thought there might be one or two. We'll probably have the same one for Steph. I'd, I'd be shocked. Yeah, but with Chris Paul, I went Russell Wilson. Okay, especially nowadays, because if you look at Chris Paul's level of play, it's definitely taken a step back. Yeah, you know the Suns brought him in thinking he was going to lead him to a title. The Broncos paid a heavy price to go get we did. Russell Wilson. And, you know, they're known more for their commercials. Let's be honest. The State Farm commercials with Chris point. Paul, yeah. Cliff Paul, and Russell Wilson's more known for his Subway commercials. And Bronco Nation, let's ride, right? So oh, I hate it. Yeah. So, I mean, that's what that's what they're known for right now. And they're, I mean, I, I'm sure that the Broncos would be happy to trade Russell Wilson off their roster and, and get a better option at point guard or quarterback. Sorry. And one of the things too, it's like they're undersized for their position as well. Yeah. I like that. They're a little bit smaller. I was laughing just watching Russell Wilson in that huddle today with that last play. Like he's just significantly smaller than all of them. Now I would say if Chris Paul had the team that Russell Wilson had, he would have won a title, 
depending on all the pieces around him. He never had that deep of a roster with Seattle uh, in New Orleans or the other places he went. Like now he did have one in Houston. If he wouldn't have got hurt, there's a chance it could have been there. But I don't think that Seattle ever went up against a juggernaut of a team in their own conference as tough as the Golden State Warriors with Kevin Durant. So it's one of those things where I think they're very comparable in terms of how they play the game. I think they're both really smart, can do a lot of different things. But at this point in their career, they're probably seen their better days. Their better days are behind them. And they're pretty much just in the league because people believe in their previous jobs that they've done. And I think they can still be a valuable asset to a team, but you don't want to pay a ton of of money for them. And that's why you saw Chris Paul get traded a lot. I think that's why you're probably seeing Russell Wilson uh, not being favored by Broncos fans nearly as much. I mean, the, the end of the game with the booze and the frustration with him, like he's just, he's just not there like he used to be. And I think the same can be made for, for Chris Paul. He's just not the same player. I completely agree with both of our comparisons. It was, you know, who's that aging star that's out there right now that had a really good career that is now kind of winding down. And, you know, obviously uh, both guys are are paid handsomely. I mean, Chris Paul was a guy that was paid so much that he had to go. And I think (laughs) that that's that's where we're at now with Russell Wilson and, you know, Stafford's making big money and, you know, I, I get it. So I think that both are, are good comparisons, which leads us into the last one. This is where there there probably is just one name that comes to mind. Obviously, crazier things could have happened, but we're talking about Steph Curry here. Do Dak Prescott. First? Yeah, right. <laughs> do you want to go first or do you want me? No, it's it's pretty obvious. It's Zach Wilson, okay? I mean, I'm just kidding. It's, yeah. it's Patrick Mahomes. It's Patrick Mahomes. All right. I'm- they're awesome. You you explain it better than me. You've got the details, so let's go with it. I mean, here's just what I'm saying. Look, both are incredible talents. Both players do some things that you've never seen before. I mean, I'm not trying to sound like Chris Collinsworth going over here like, oh, my God, you know, like, look at this. But, no, it's just they're incredible players <laughs> that they're, they have the rings to back up their regular seasons. Yeah. Guys that have won MVPs that have also then taken their team to the Super Bowl or the NBA Finals and gotten the job done. And they're both two surefire Hall of Famers that, you know, you can make an argument that potentially changed the game. I know that Patrick Mahomes might not have changed the game as much as a Steph Curry, but Mahomes just came into the league immediately putting up 5,000 yards, being able to just do things that was like, whoa, I don't know how to defend this guy, yeah. because he could scramble a little bit more, but he also has a cannon of an arm, and he could make these no-look passes and, and things that have just kind of changed how other players have started to play the game. They both have tra- they both completely changed the position that they're at. The yep. quarterback position has evolved since Patrick Mahomes has kind of come into the league and, and taken the, the reins of the quarterback position. I think he kind of took them from the Tom Brady, Peyton Manning era. And now when you look at the elite quarterbacks of the NFL, you look at Patrick Mahomes, and then when you look at the, the point guards in the NBA, the number one point guard without hesitation is Steph Curry. And they're not just one-dimensional. They're not just like for Patrick Mahomes. He's not just a pocket passer. He can get out and scramble. He can make anybody better around him. And, and Steph Curry is not just this traditional point guard like a Chris Paul. He's a guy that will constantly run off screens and He'll do whatever he needs to do, and he can hit big buckets. And you know that they're both going to be major in the clutch. And you always fear that, hey, if there's seven seconds left in a game, there's a chance that Patrick Mahomes can lead his team 70 yards in seven seconds, and there's a chance that Steph Curry is going to hit a half-court shot 
with three guys on him just because he's done crazier things. And I think that's what makes them so awesome at, at their position is because they can do the unimaginable that they just bring football to life. I mean, they bring basketball to life. They bring the sport they play to life. So I think that is the slam dunk comparison there, but that is the eight. If you like this exercise that we did, we can continue with other point guards in the league and maybe find some other comparisons for them. But Fachi, real quick, one more time, give me a quick rundown of who you had for each player that we talked about. All right. And to, to back up Alex's point, I want you guys chiming in with this because there are no wrong answers, but there are a, a lot of different ways to go yeah. about this yeah. exercise. So for me, I had Trey Young. I compared him to Tua Tagovailoa. Uh, John Morant to Lamar Jackson. Kyrie to Joe Burrow. Damian Lillard to Kirk Cousins. De'Aaron Fox to Trevor Lawrence. Tyrese Halliburton to Justin Herbert. Chris Paul to Matthew Stafford. And lastly, Steph Curry to Patrick Mahomes. I had Trey Young as Josh Allen. John Morant to Deshaun Watson. Kyrie Irving to Aaron Rodgers. Damian Lillard to Matthew Stafford. De'Aaron Fox to Jalen Hurts. Tyrese Halliburton to Tua. How do you say his last name? Tago Vailoa. Tago I didn't want to mess yes. it up. Chris Paul one. to Russell Wilson, and then Steph Curry once again to Patrick Mahomes. That is the second segment of the show. Hope you guys enjoyed our random football conversation with basketball. Wanted to tie those two together. It's football season. Might as well that have some is. fun with it before we get to training camp. But with that being said, Fachi, let the people know where they can find us at on social media. Absolutely. So you can find us on Twitter at setting the pace three. You can find Alex on Twitter at Alex Golden NBA. I can be found on Twitter at underscore F A C C I. You can find us on Instagram at Pacers Talk. You can find us on Facebook at Setting the Pace. You can find us on TikTok at Setting the Pace. And Alex, tell them where they can check us out on YouTube. Yeah, you can go to youtube.com slash setting the pace of Pacers podcast where you can find all of our video content. And hopefully this video will be up there for you guys to hear our conversation on the Pacers doing some type of thing to honor former players of the past and our quarterback NBA point guard comparisons. But with that being said, Fachi, if you're excited that training camp is just about two weeks away for the Indiana Pacers, then hit me with those three words. Let's go Pacers! Setting the pace, going to the top. Setting the pace, going to the top. This is your number one podcast. Sweeping every team. We gon' need a mop. Smooth.